And the name of our series is Awakened. And um, Bethany preached last Sunday about the indwelling Christ. How many heard it? I don't know if many of you are here last week that are here today, but uh, um, she preached on the indwelling Christ. And the whole truth of it was that Christ was an indwelling Christ, right? Who was uh, not uninvolved with the affairs of man, but deeply connected to his people. And um, it was a great message. I encourage you, if you weren't here, go to our website. Uh, We don't have Hilltop Church up right now. Uh, We're working on it, but we do still have J-Hop, of which we're doing all our work through there. It's jhopboston.com. You can check it out. You won't be let down. It will bless you, and it will catch you up to speed as we're in our second week of this series. Amen. I want to just have a word of prayer. I know what you're thinking. Well, they're going to pray again. Yep, I'm going to pray again. I'm going to pray for myself because I'm a man who is in need of the touch of the Holy Spirit. And your people who are going to, I want to benefit from that touch. And within my own strength, well, there's nothing. I rely completely upon the Lord, and I would like his people to be fed today. Amen? All right. Well, Father, we thank you. I thank you for this precious group here today. God, I thank you that you love them, and I thank you, Lord, that uh, you want to minister to their hearts and God, I just confess my complete need and dependency upon you and your anointing. God, I realize, Lord, within my own strength and within my own flesh, Lord, I can produce nothing. But God, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come upon me. And Lord, that your people would eat from the word of God today and be blessed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to be talking, the title actually of my message is Awakened to the Love of God, or Awakened to the Love of the Father. And uh, what we're trying to do through this series is really try to build a sense of identity in us. Who we are in Christ, ultimately, uh, or is our objective through this series. And um, I find in my own experience that it's kind of hard to find who I am in Christ without first knowing who God is as my Father. And we all have probably a a knowledge of, through the scripture and messages that we've heard throughout our history, uh, we probably have a a basic concept of God the Father, but um, it's been my experience that I only have a concept, and he reveals his heart as a father to me day in and day out. And my heart is that tonight or this evening, we would be rooted and grounded uh, and the, the truth that God is our Father and we are His children sounds pretty simple, right? But I'm sure if I was to talk to you one-on-one, there would be all these kind of barriers and kind of uncertainties in really where uh, you feel uh, accepted or loved by God the Father. So I want to kind of just share with us some scripture. Can I do that today? Okay, that's your chance to say amen. All right, we're going to interact with one another today. Mondua, you got to stay up through this message, man. It's going to be good. No, I'm just kidding. I know you will. <laughs> i got to try to make everybody laugh. Loosen up. It's okay. It's church. Okay. I want to start off with a statement. And this statement, I just kind of came up with praying for uh, you guys uh, before while I was studying out this message. And I just want to shoot it out for you. To understand the love of God, we must first understand God as our Father. And although it is impossible to completely grasp or fully understand God's love, it's found in Ephesians 3.19, It's imperative we see God's immense desire to be our father, to be the father of his children. 
You'd say that's a pretty good statement, right? Galatians 3.26 says, For we are all children of God through faith in Christ. The first half of John, uh, 1 John 3.1 says, See how much our Father, I'm sorry, See how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are, exclamation. So John's trying to affirm us, listen, you are children of God, and that's what you are, period. And there are many more verses throughout the scripture that affirms this to us. The first question that goes off in my head is why? Why does God, beyond the many gods that we hear about and read about, want to be identified as a father? Think about it. I'm not sure I'm really on the facts of this, but you know, it's, it's my understanding that in most religions, uh, their gods are to be viewed as uh, you know, some high and lofty idols that don't want to be bothered you know, with the affairs of man. And uh, I'm sure I'm not uh, totally 100% with that, uh, that, that, that uh, statistic, but just thought I'd throw it out there that there is, there is uh, gods who want to be identified as high and lofty idols who don't want to be a, a bothered at all with the affairs of man. But I want to say today, make no mistake about it, our God is a God who is into family. He's a family man. Amen. And he has no need to be looked as some kind of stoic being, but he's to be looked at as a man who's involved, as a father who cares, as a father who nurtures. Amen? Amen. John three sixteen through 17. I know you guys could probably all quote that verse. You're saying, Daryl, you're really reaching deep with Scripture. Uh, but let's just read it anyways. John 3, 6, uh, John three sixteen through 17. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world to what? Not to judge it, but to save it. Guys, these aren't just some trite words that we should just be over familiar with and just kind of, yeah, we've heard it. These are words written in red. These are words spoken by the Son of God. So these words have tremendous value. They have tremendous impact still today and should on our hearts, in our spirits, when it comes to the love of God. So here's a couple of points from just so a couple of the scriptures, and we're going to go on. So far, we see that God loves his creation so much that he gives his Son as a gift to the world so that whomever would believe in him would have eternal life and spend eternity with him. It wasn't to judge the world that God sent his son, but it was to save the world. Somebody say amen, because today you're the result of that, save, that saving power. Let's turn over, if you have your Bibles with you, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. I'll give you a little time to get there. We're laying a case for God today, I believe, through the Scriptures. Amen? Not that he needs one, but I thought it would be a pretty cool idea. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent his son to buy our freedom, for we were slaves to the law. 
so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent his spirit, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now we are no longer slaves, but children of God. And since we are his children, God has also made us his heirs. Woo! So let's get this right. So at the right time, God sent his son, and ultimately his son ended slavery. Whose slavery? Our slavery. Slavery from what? Slavery to the lost, to the law. Jesus came to free us from being slaves to the law. He didn't stop there, according to Paul. He then adopted us as his very own children. Let this just get into you today when it comes to the extent of what God did for us as individuals. So he just didn't uh, free us from bondage or slavery. He then made us his own children. The uncreated God. Wow. And he didn't just stop there. He went a little further and then made us heirs. That is awesome. Think about that. Just ponder it. Some of you, that went right over your head. But this is rich scripture when it comes to the reality of God's love. Jacob, Kim, don't fall asleep. Just kidding. I love you, man. So glad you're back. Okay. <laughs> Let's turn over, if you could, Romans 8, 15 through 17. Just trying to lay a platform. This is scripture. This is the word of God. This should encourage us, in life us. If there's any confusion or any uh, misunderstanding when it comes to the love of God, my hope is by the end of this evening, you will be convinced that God the Father loves you and he is not relating to you as some stoic being in heaven, uninvolved, uninterested with the affairs of man, but he's a father that wants to parent and loves you deeply. Let's read Romans eight fifteen through 17. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Again, Paul is using the same language he did in Galatians. Now we call him Abba Father. For the spirit joins, for his spirit, sorry, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are also his heirs. In fact, together, we with Christ, are heirs to God's glory. So he gets more specific. In Galatians, he just says you're heirs. In Romans, he says you're heirs to God's glory. Have you ever just thought, what, what? God's glory? Let me try to make sense of that. What does that mean, heirs to God's glory? Then this is awesome. But if we are to share in his glory, Paul throws a little curveball, and we'll get to this later. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in what? Ooh, most pastors probably stop before that line, but I thought I'd throw it in because it's good. And Paul's a smart man. Somebody say, Paul, you are a smart man. Thank you, Jacob. So we go from slaves to children. Now, instead of relating to God as a, slave relates to his master we relate to him as abba we relate to him as father and he he relates to us as his children and not only has god adopted us again we are heirs joint heirs with god's glory given to us by jesus anybody remember john 17 22 you don't have to read there i have given them the glory you have given me 
so they may be one as we are one. So here we are. We are joint tears with Christ, and we are heirs to the very glory of God. Come on. Just, I know we live in a very, you know, we're kind of sedated, I think, in ways when it comes to the glory of God and just kind of got these westernized mindsets and just kind of, you know, for today, for today. But just step out of that reality and step into well, just even if you want, let's just do a little exercise. Close your eyes. Tell you guys, close your eyes. It's good. And just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what that means. Heirs to God's glory. God. Now really do it. I know that. This is uncomfortable for some of you. Now really do it. Reach inside. Put away all the other voices in your head if you can. And just say, God, what does it look like? I'm an heir to your glory. You set me free from slavery. You made me one of your children. And not only did you make me one of your children, but now I am an heir to your very glory with Jesus. God, reveal to us by the power of your Holy Spirit what it means to be an heir to the glory of God. All right, before some of you fall asleep, you can open your eyes again. (laughs) So let's get a little summary, a little recap from just, we're going somewhere. I know you guys are getting, you know, we're going somewhere. We'll get there. We're going to get there. Saving the best for last. Okay. Let's Let's get a little summary now. I just want to repeat these words because it's important. It's an important thing to get these in us uh, 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 as we reflect upon these scriptures. So here's a little summary just from uh, Galatians uh, 4, 4, through 4, 4 through 7 and Romans 8, I think 15 through 17. Maybe that's it. I don't know. So, so far we have God has a desire to be the father of his children. God had a desire to free us from slavery. God had a desire not to just free us, to make us his own children. I want, I'm going to repeat this, sorry. And he just didn't stop there. He made us his children, and he also made us heirs to his glory. And all through one man, this was accomplished through Christ Jesus. If you understand, and through my studies in John 17, 22, when Jesus said, I have given them my glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. That hadn't yet happened. Jesus at that moment had not given his glory to us. That's a whole other message. But this was something that was coming. This was something that was foreseen. This was something of when he told the apostles, go to the upper room and wait for the fulfillment of God's promise to come. That's when we are now partakers of God's glory, and we are still partaking of that same glory today. So there's always a problem, isn't there? Whoa, what's going on right now? Who's playing bad tricks on us? Jacob, Kim, you stay up now. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll just wait to see if we can get that fixed. There's always a problem when it comes to this, isn't there? The problem is that in the midst of all this truth, in the midst of all this scripture, 
there still are those feelings of feeling orphaned by God. Yeah, I said it. Orphaned by God. And though some of us would never admit to that, praise God, what's going on? Jesus, rebuke the devil. No, I'm just joking. And although it may be hard to admit to that, there is some of that truth, right? There is some of that, that feeling of being rejected or that we've been forgotten or unloved, cast off, you know, unimportant, uh, that God is uninterested. He has bigger things to do, bigger things to accomplish and, and, and to do in the earth. Why? Why? Why would this God want to father me? Some of you may feel like you're set, that there's no questions about, you know, God's uh, nature or heart for you as father. But let me just give you, I want to give you a little bit of my testimony real quick, if I could. Some of you have heard my full testimony. Uh, I'm not going to give my, my full one. I just want to give you a little in, uh, look into a certain time and season where I questioned the love of God. And, um, you know, for many of you might not think it was Easter Sunday last year that I gave my testimony. And, uh, again, I was raised in a broken home. My father was an alcoholic, and because of his... Uh, alcoholism, he would, uh, you know, be enraged and uh, really take out that anger and rage all in the family. He was simply just a product of his father and so on and so forth. So we can see through my dad, in a way, he was here last Sunday. So glad he's not here this Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> he was uh, just really the product of a generational thing that was going on in his family where there was abuse, alcoholism, and the list just went on. Uh, and because of the brokenness that I had experienced with my earthly father, I had a lot of doubt when it came uh, to his love for me and his desire to father me. Uh, you see, my earthly dad and I, um, you see, with my earthly dad, I always thought that if I was a better son, ultimately he would be a better dad. Because many of the arguments uh, surrounded us as kids, what we didn't do, what we should have done. You know, it, uh, it, it just, it, it, it spanned through so many things. So my thoughts were like, okay, as a young guy, the impression that it left on me was like, okay, if I am act or do things better, maybe he'll approve of me. Maybe he'll love me. Heck, maybe he'll even take an interest and father me. You know, instead of looking at my father's alcoholism as a problem, I thought, I'm the problem. Us kids are the problem. See, all the rage was centered. All the anger was centered around us kids. Um, my mother had a, a marriage previous to my father's. And, um, you know, so there were stepchildren involved. And it just was crazy. And a lot of abuse was going on. So as a kid, as a young person, I, I began to think that just that, that if I would be a better son, he would be a better father. Ultimately, it didn't happen. It never happened. But... Unfortunately, I took this with me when I uh, first found Jesus, when I first gave my life to the Lord. The beginnings of my walk with God, I would equate his uh, acceptance of me through my works, through my good deeds, and if I failed, well, I kind of hid away because I felt like his judgment was coming. How many can relate to that? Regardless if you have a broken, uh, uh, you come from a broken family. You know, I find that uh, if, if it's uh, 
a broken family or a put-together family, you know, if it's a family that is healthy, that God's uh, image or his betrayal as father and family is so much better than any earthly family could ever be possible, yeah? But unfortunately for me, I took this into my walk with the Lord, and for about five years, man, I almost lost my salvation because I, could, I only saw my weakness. I only saw me letting down God as he was trying to sanctify me. I only saw that I failed him in different areas. I didn't see that in the midst of my weakness and in the midst of my failures that he still loved me, and he was still interested in fathering me. See, he wasn't like my earthly dad. See, my earthly dad, he did everything and loved only in a ways that if I was good or if I was bad. That's, that, that's what dictated his love for me. Thank God. Listen, I'm not today, you know, coming against healthy families. I love, I, by the grace of God, Abram, my son, my four-year-old, has a healthy home. He has two loving parents uh, that love him dearly, are going to be with them uh, at least until he's 18. No, I'm just joking. We'll be with him all the way, all the way through. So thank God that at my generation in my life that God intervened and that alcoholism, and now my son won't have to battle with some of that doubt when it comes to relating to the love of God and in understanding that God does not measure us by our weakness nor failures, but he measures us uh, by his love for us. Amen? So I just thought I'd share that with a little bit because, you know, ultimately uh, my point is, is that our earthly experiences with our parents have the potential to mold and shape our views about God. That was my experience. And you can say, ah, oh, maybe so. I guarantee me, friends, guarantee. We put money on We can bet on this. Certainly our parents have a vital role in how we view and how we see God. Luckily, with the intervention of the Holy Spirit, we can see God correctly. Amen. Just finding myself in my notes. When we see this truth in, in culture with the broken down uh, family unit, you know, through divorce and poverty, abuse, neglect, the list goes on. You know, but I just want to point out this in Malachi 4, 5. Jesus sees, God sees the brokenness of the family unit, but you know, he even in the midst of all this has an answer. What's his answer? Well, in Malachi 4, 5, we see that he is going to send the prophet Elijah, probably the spirit of Elijah, the ministry, the mantle of Elijah, to the earth to do what? To restore the family. So there is a tremendous, we see, through the lens of Scripture, we see even God looking at this at the end of the age. He sees a, a drama unfolding. He sees a uh, 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 a thing unfolding in the earth where there's the broken down family unit. It's in, it's in uh, shambles, and he is, will send. He has a, uh, an answer. He will send his prophet to restore, to restore the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. Amen? So even in that, we see God's design. We see his heart that he is not going to leave us to our own abuse He's not going to leave us to our own sin, but he's going to rescue us in the midst of, of, of the broken family, the broken. Uh, uh, and you can bet believe that we can, play, we, can, we can put that in how we relate to 
the heart of God, the Father heart of God. We can see that restoration even wanting to take place there. That it doesn't just start, stop with our earthly families, but it will go into the way that we view Father God. So my question to you, in light of all the scripture, now that we got all the boring things over with, and everybody's still up, not that boring, but just joking. That was a really good end point for you guys to laugh, but because it wasn't that funny. How much more should we be convinced? In light of these scriptures with so much more, God wants to be a father. He's freed us from slavery. He's adopted us as his own children. Uh, he made us join heirs with Christ to his own glory. Uh, he sent his cherished beloved son to accomplish all of this by his death and resurrection. Uh, and at the end of the, the age, when the enemy has come to do all that he has done to destroy the family unit, he will send the prophet Elijah to restore the family unit. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but this sounds like a God who loves. This sounds like a God who's deeply connected to the affairs of man. We're going to go to one scripture in Romans 8. And this is where I'm going to try to wake you up a little bit. Romans 8.35. We're all familiar with this verse. It's a good verse, and I love it. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being led to the slaughter like sheep. No, despite of all these things, victory is ours through Christ who loved us. This is where the rub comes for me. You notice here that Paul doesn't say nothing will ever separate us from feeling the love of God. Isn't that the problem for most of us? You know, we, we live in a very feeling-based culture and society. Let's give you a couple examples. I'll go to church if I feel like it. I'll pay my tithe if I feel like it. I'll love my wife if I feel like it. I'll give all I have at my workplace if I feel like it. I'll pray, worship, and devote myself to God if I feel like it. I'll lift my hands in worship if I feel like it. Everything is based on feel, feelings in our, our culture and society. And this is not at all what Paul is saying. He's saying something that is a truth, not a feeling. Big difference. See, I led us all through that just to bring us here. Big difference. And unfortunately, the thing is in our culture that we are programmed to move out of our feelings and move with our feelings. I'll talk nicely to my wife if I feel like, you know, if I feel like it, if I feel like it. But God, the scripture, Paul is saying something, that truth. He doesn't say nothing will ever separate you from the feeling of God's love. He says nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. 
And it isn't more, don't we see why he says this? Because let's just, let's just read here. We're going to read it over again here uh, on um, verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from love, from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? This is why. This is why. Let's just pay attention. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry? I don't know about you, but that could read to me that God has a big deficit for love for me. If I was in trouble, if I was being persecuted, if I was in lack or, or whatever it might be, and, and, and would I necessarily have the feelings that God loved me? Probably not, Paul. But see, see, Paul's trying to program us differently because he knew you would live in a culture that ultimately tried to program you to be driven by your feelings and your feelings alone. Because what, what did it say earlier in the scripture that we read in Romans? I'm sorry. Yes, in Romans. At the end of 17. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Paul is preparing you for something that has to do with suffering. And he wants to make sure that you're confident of God's love. And you're not going off feelings, but you're going off truth in the word of God. continue to read 36 as the scriptures say for your sake again he's reaffirming this whole calamity and persecuted and hungry again as the scriptures say for your sake we are being killed every day we are being slaughtered like sheep no, despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who what loved us so in other words, Paul is saying, you're not to go off of feelings. Why? I believe, I could be wrong, scholars, you can hold me to this after the sermon, but I believe Paul himself was in prison at this time, and even in his own ministry was experiencing severe lack, persecution, and trouble. But yet his resolve at the end was that nothing, nothing here determinates this truth here. These chains don't terminate, uh, determine uh, God's love for me. Uh, this persecution does not determine Christ's love for me. But the truth is, nothing can separate me ever from the love of God. And none of these things that are vis very visual right now in my life are truth. The truth is, Christ loves me. Some of us get rocked if the bank account is in the red. Oh, Christ, you don't love me. You're attacking my finances. You devil's attacking my finances. Some of us get irritated over the little things and we begin to equate the, Christ doesn't love me. Something's wrong. I can give you an example of myself. I'm the most weak person when it comes to this. And I use my, myself as an example so it's easier for you. 
You know, Sundays are hard. It looks easy, but I have a family of three, bless the Lord. And my son is like, having him is like having five children. I want to say ten, but you would, with parents would probably laugh at me. He is, you know, just to the T. Everything is to the T. And we're scrambling and, and we're, you know, we're trying to pull things together. Of course, we're as, as organized as you think you are. You never are. There's always last-minute things to do and to cover. And meanwhile, you just have your really high-strung kid. Daddy, 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 daddy. And you're like, you know, I want to be a loving father. I want to be a loving father. Jesus. You know, and, and this whole poll is going on. But you know, after the first two hours of daddy, 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 and you try, you start to get a little irritated. Just saying. Okay? And the truth is, I am such an emotionalist when it comes to this, I begin to get very grumpy. Ask my wife, it's true. Yeah, it's very true. To the point where I have to step back. And, and, and reflect on the goodness of God. <laughs> it, it, really, I'm telling you. But, it, you know, as people, aren't we like that? Don't we get, you know, really disturbed by things we should not get disturbed about? Don't little things set us off sometimes that really shouldn't? Friend, I, I, let me just tell you this. And I hope I'm not being too dramatic because I can tend to be dramatic. I can tend to lay the drama on, okay? I can I do it, dude. It's just, you know, whatever. Those who know me know me. But, you know, my wife will always say this. She's, you know, in light of Paul's words, here he goes. He's, he, he, it's kind of interesting because he says, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And then he gives us the big long list of all these things. Like, you're like, really, Paul? <laughs> you know, persecution, hunger. We're all being led to, <laughs> you know, like sheep to the slaughter. Really? This is supposed to tell us that God loves us? But you know, the interesting thing is, Paul is giving us a look into the future. Because if we're to share in God's glory, we should also uh, are going to share in his suffering. Well, that's a whole other message for a whole other day. But Paul is preparing us for something. And let me just put this little simple thing out to us. If we can't stand now under some of the pressures that really ultimately aren't pressure at all, they're just little things that can, daddy, 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 that can be, I can get over that, right? But if it rocks me to the core where I start to get attitudinal, I start to get, unspirit filled if there's such a thing you know and i'm just in the flesh and i'm like what you know you, you understand what i'm saying how much more would it be if i was in prison i know maybe that's drastic for y'all because of the blessing that we live under in america where we can't even really fathom sharing in god's glory but also sharing in his suffering but if we are to share in his suffering, if one day any one of us were to be put in prison to, for our faith, what would be our reaction to that? What would, what would be our, our, the posture of our heart? Would it be one that Paul had? Am I being too dramatic? My wife will always tell me when I'm acting out in the flesh, she's like, Daryl, these times, if you can't get it in check here, you will never get it in check here. If you, can, if you overreact here, 
man, you will be drama to the hilt here. You understand what I'm saying? It's not too big or too uh, uh, much of a separation between the two realities. There's a preparation that's going on, I think. And those who are waiting for the return of Christ with eager expectation and God wants to prepare us now. What does that look like? Well, for me, it looks like when my son is pulling at me, having a lot of grace, not getting short-fused. When the, not all the money's in the account that should be to cover the month expenses, that I rejoice and believe that I have a God that still loves me, has not cursed me, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so you understand what I'm saying? These things, man, they totally are preparing us. How can I boil this down for you? Hey, you know, you get a bad grade on a test. What's your reaction? <laughs> Let's just make it real practical. Your girlfriend leaves you. What's your reaction? In light of eternity, really? Come on. Praise God. Jacob Kim knows what I'm saying. Hallelujah. I'm going to use you as a target this year, friend, for all my bad jokes. No. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying, guys. We have to get certain things, certain reactions in check that we're not being led by our feelings, but we're being led by the truth. And the truth is what? That Christ loves us and nothing can separate. Nothing that is outward proves the truth of God's scripture. Nothing that is happening in your situations, in your life, proves nor dictates the love of God at all. And we as Christians are to be more governed by truth than we are feelings. What's the truth? The truth is a scripture. There's a whole movement in the body of Christ merely just going off their feelings. And friend, my experience with that, it only lasts so long. Because when the time comes when we actually share in the sufferings of Christ, let me bring it home. When we share in the sufferings of Christ, we better have this in us, not this. Will, will you come to the piano? what you're thinking. Was that guy ever going to get to his points? I did, yeah. <laughs> Just joking. We're going to do a little ministry here. It's 526. And um, just want to open the altar. Two things I like to do. Um, one, I would like to pray for those who are in doubt about God's love for you. God's love for you as Father, not a stoic being, although He is awesome, but a Father who loves you and who is dedicated, who is faithful to complete the good work of which He started to you. If you have any doubt here in your heart and in your mind, if the enemy is allowed to lie to you and deceive you in thinking anything different, I want to pray for you tonight. 